DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Lincoln Kennedy from the Pac-12 Networks, also the Oakland Raiders analyst. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm thinking your sleep's messed up all week because I'm figuring <laughs> Saturday night, you're a Washington Husky, so you had to stay up to the end of the game. I mean, PK and I stayed up, so I figure you did. And then you get a late-night Monday night football broadcast with the Raiders. You're just you're all messed up, aren't you? Well, uh, yeah, I was, I was thrown off. I guess the, the only good that came out of it is I had to do the NAU-U of A game uh, Saturday night. So the fact that the Huskies and, and Cal didn't finish up till late, I was able to listen to it on the drive back up to Phoenix. Uh, got about, to, what, about one thirty in the morning? I think it took me to get home, and that was the, to the end of the game. But, yeah, the sleep is a little thrown off. Man. <laughs> Just trying to catch up now. And plus you did uh, ASU Sac State. And one of the things yeah. I wanted to ask you about is this blindside uh, block rule because the Devils had a couple of times and one negated a touchdown and it didn't look like it had any uh, effect on the play. What is going on here as far as this? I guess this is a new rule, a new emphasis anyway, on these blindside tackles. Could you explain that? Because it might come to pass in one of Utah's games and our fans are going to be thinking, what is that all about? Yeah, well, the best way, I mean, I wish it was, it's really hard, difficult to, to show it on, or talk about it on radio, but, but if you can imagine um, the, the, the infamous decleters, when you really, you know, what calls like we used to get, call in football, I made them blow a snot bubble or something, or I, I knocked, the, knocked the crap out of them. Um, it's like that. So the, the blind side rule, if the guy, if, the, if the, the person who's being blocked does not have sight of the blocker coming, and they are level. They are basically knocked down. They're going to call it. They're they're, they're trying to promote safety. I understand the, the the meaning of the rule, and I understand what they're trying to get. But they're you know you think of a let's say a quick screen, a slip screen where a receiver comes inside to crack a linebacker. Well, the linebacker is focused either on the running back his responsibility, the quarterback or the offensive line. He doesn't see the right receiver coming, and all of a sudden the receiver you know decletes him knocks him on his tail. They're going to call that. And that's what happened in ASU. Uh, and you know, there, were, there were a couple of times um, and during the game where, you're right, there, we didn't even see it because it wasn't in the direct view. So there really wasn't any need for it. But ASU got a couple of players of ASU got in trouble for that. You know, I just, I, I get the intent. I get what they're trying to do. But watching that unfold, I'm thinking, I saw a guy decleated in a flag football intramural game. I mean, those hits are so tempting. But also, they look like big hits because you're using the other person's momentum against them. Can right. you shove a guy with your hands? I mean, if you hit him with your shoulder, you can really deplete him. I get that. But even if you shove him with your hands, you could send him, you know, flying you know, head over feet. And are you going to get flagged for that? It puts the refs, it can put the refs in a pretty tough spot. But the refs feel that if you if you use your hands, they'll allow you to use your hands because they 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 feel by the letter of the rule it doesn't have promote as much force as you using your shoulder or your helmet. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and I get that when your arms are outstretched, it's an easy call, and when you really hit them with the shoulder, I just wonder if we're going to end up with these gray area calls over time and they're going to drive people. Well, nuts. you know, there's like I said, the two instances in the ASU game where we did, I, I didn't even see it in, in direct view. And I had to wait for the replay to go over and see, oh, that's what they were talking about because they called it. So they're looking for those big, you know, those big nasty hits. But talking with the refs, they said they're more likely to allow you using your hands even on a crack block because they don't think it has approached the same amount of force as someone who's coming in with their shoulder down and depleting a guy. 
Okay. So we got USC here locally. It's a big couple of weeks because they're playing the Cougars in Provo. And then next week, obviously, they've got the Utes down at the Coliseum. And then earlier this week, we get news that Lynn Swan has been forced out. So I'm wondering, you know, that seems like a big distraction. But on the other hand, and you being the player that you were, you got these guys that that might cause them to take a us against the world type of deal because now it's all this distraction with this AD and these guys are 2-0 and and it might unify them and bring them into more focus under Clay Helton. How do you see it? Well, I mean, there are a lot of distractions that are going on around SC right now, but for the most part, the fact that they're 2-0 and means that they played above standards uh, in, in most people's minds. I mean, coming up with, with BYU this week, if this team is able to get out of this first month, you know, three, I mean, three and one or what have you, then it's going to be a success, especially going, uh, seeing that their starting quarterback has gone down. Now, with that being said, you still have to, to, to go out there and play, and Clay Helton's job is on the line. It's, from everything that I've heard, Clay Helton's job is on the line. Um, but, and looking for the next AD. The next AD is probably going to want to try to take the step if they want to fire Clay Helton, where they're going to go, where they're going to make a, a big splash. And I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, with Urban Meyer in Los Angeles, there seems to be a lot of rumors swirling around them, uh, him. So if a, if a new AD comes in and is ready to make that happen, then that's going to you know bode well for a USC faithful because they want to see that big splash at, at head coach, especially if Helton is gone. Right now, I honestly think there are a lot of people – in the in the SC um, uh, wherewithal, the rankings and the people higher ranking people that want to see Clay Helton gone, um, but you know you got to give credit where credit is due. Slovis, a true freshman, comes in. He plays a hell of a game, and now you've got him going up against BYU. If he does that, you know after beating Stanford, he he beats BYU when he three and zero when the time they face the Utah Utes, and you can't really look at can't look down your nose at Clay Helton and the, and the job that he's done. So if you were BYU, knowing that he just threw for 377 yards, <laughs> and knowing that there's this endless line of – there's at least three NFL guys backed up by an endless line of 6'3 and 6'4 guys who look talented but just haven't had their chance yet, how would you defend them? Do you go get the quarterback? Do you drop eight? Are you doing some – trying to – and maybe you confuse your own guys, but mixing zone and, and man, what are you doing? Well, I think you do all that, but I've always believed when you have young people, whether it's a rookie quarterback in the NFL or a freshman quarterback in college, you do blitz them. And I think things will be different now that you have some film. I mean, it's only one game, but you know, and now that you have some film on Slovis, you know how to sort of attack him and go after him. Like you said, USC is always stacked with athletes, and for the conference standards, it's actually good that USC is fairly relevant and the conversation because it draws attention to the pack. However, um, it's, it's one of those things where you, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. The fact that not knowing all the details about why Lynn Swan truly said step down and where the future of this program is going, uh, and especially the fact they're being led by a freshman quarterback that really nobody really knew about outside of the West Coast, uh, kind of dimmers that, if that makes sense. So what do I make of the Huskies? You know, they beat up on an inferior competition and their new quarterback looked halfway decent, but obviously it right. was a completely different story in a bizarre situation with the weather delay and playing until 1.30 in the morning against Cal. Well, let me say this. It's not so much the Huskies that you should think about. It's, it's more of Cal what you should think about. 
and Justin Wilcox has really put his staple on this defense and identity of this team. Cal's going to be one of those teams that they're not going to light up the scoreboard, but they have a way of shutting you down with a, a, a great secondary, a decent linebacker and core, and more importantly, just an all-around nasty defense that can get after you. Um, the, the problem is when you face teams like that to start the season, it's really you know you're you're really learning about yourself. Uh, it came down what was one you know low-scoring game for one, the weather delay, and by the time I turned on the TV to watch the highlights in the fourth quarter. I could definitely tell these guys were tired. Nobody's ever stayed up that late playing football. So you can imagine the type of mental fatigue. So I'm not taking anything away from Cal, what Cal did. I'm not even also you know, taking anything away from Washington. Washington can rebound, but this also goes, pays into what I've always said about this conference. I think this conference is competitive, and I think this conference has the ability to beat up on anyone, no matter who you are. So it might not bode well for national standards, but that's why I love the competition of this conference as a whole. Okay, so this is one one big week for the Pac-12 to make a splash across the nation. Washington yeah. State's going to Houston on Friday night, and it's on ESPN, so everybody can watch that. Saturday, Stanford's going to UCF. That's on ESPN at 1.30, the same time that USC and BYU are playing on ABC. PK Sun Devils are going to uh, Michigan State. That's on Big Fox at 2 o'clock. So there are going to be a lot of games on – oh, and I'm leaving out Oklahoma at UCLA at 6 o'clock on Fox – and Texas Tech at Arizona. That's a lot of opportunity there. Is the Pac-12 going to cash in on this? Are they going to embarrass themselves? Are they going to kind of punt, just split it down the middle? What do you think? Well, you know, here's the thing. I think with the, the energy, let's start with ASU and Michigan State. <clears throat> ASU is playing a lot of young guys. They're going to rely a lot of, uh, definitely a lot on their young guys, especially at quarterback position. But the thing is that you kind of have to go through this trial by, uh, by fire, if you will. You know, I talked with Herm Edwards last, last week uh, before the game. He said, look, this is my first year, complete first year under the program. And so it, it's taken me time to build this program the way I want to, recruit the guys that I want to. And they've got an unbelievable, you know, rookie class just in, in talking in the quarterback room. I mean, they've got three really good uh, recruits that have, you know, said that they want to play with one another. And, and this day and age with the transfer portal, you don't necessarily see that. So the future is bright for ASU. Now they just need to go out and put on a good performance and fly around. And I think the confidence of having two wins, even though they played a little bit slow uh, against Sac State last week, the confidence of having the wins around them is going to aid them. So I think that, that, that bodes well for them in, in fighting in, um, against Michigan State. With that being said, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to go in there and win. I'm just hoping that they make it competitive and make a good showing. They have a chance to win, and obviously you've got to play the game. But, um, you know, I think Michigan State's a little bit more sound and stronger. So being realistic, it's, I'm hoping for it to be a close game. Uh, U of A is, is the one I'm concerned with because U of A is still trying to find themselves, especially offensively. Uh, and Texas Tech is, I mean, is, is no juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. But there are times where, where U of A uh, just allows another team to get the best of them. And, you know, for, for that being said, um, it, it can get into a shootout. When it gets into a shootout, I don't know if it favors U of A. Um, but I'm hoping they can establish a running game and keep it keep it within um, you know keep it uh, simple and go out there and have a good outing. But the other teams that you mentioned, yeah, these are games that are going to have some national prominence because it's going to be a spotlight for the conference. Uh, and it's not necessarily like cupcakes, no matter how you look at them. It doesn't matter which team you're talking about. So it is a big deal. Is Washington State just capable of putting up a bunch of points this year, even though they've got a brand-new quarterback because Leach just run this sophisticated offense and people can't defend it very well? Well, we've seen this air raid 
offense time and time again. So the answer is yes. Uh, they can put on a couple. They can put up some points. Um, but it's almost the, the thing for Washington State is it's almost been like Big 12 football. Yeah, they can have a whole hell of a lot of offense, but they're not really stopping a lot of people. And so we've also seen, you know, no matter how good this team has looked on the surface, when it comes down to the games that really matter, um, most notably their, their rival, Miles Mater UW, they haven't been able to close it out. So for the last couple of years, Washington State could have put themselves probably in the, uh, the football playoff if they would beat UW. They haven't done it. Uh, and, and so those are big games that they have to find a way to win. And then it seems like every time they turn the page, you've got a quarterback who's tossing the ball around uh, and, and, and makes good for this air raid offense. But for whatever reasons, it's something that stops them when they really definitely need it. So Washington State is that team that is capable of running up the scoreboard. It's also that team that's capable of giving up a ton of points behind it. Lincoln, you come on with us every week, and the last couple of times you were on, you've talked about not only USC, you know, Clay Hilton could be in trouble there, but you mentioned that Chip Kelly might have his eye on something bigger. Uh, but they are 3-9, and nine, and now they're 0-2, and it never looked like they were going to beat San Diego State in the second half of that game, yeah. which, which is unacceptable if you're a Bruin fan. I mean, that is just unacceptable. So how is he going to get another job? How is he even going to last there? Has he got young guys like ASU who are about maybe to, to break out? What do you think? He does have young guys. When I, when I look at the roster and I do some research on the young people um, uh, for UCLA, the freshman and sophomore class promotes a positive future. However, you're not helping yourself if you're, I mean, if you're, you're in the spotlight and like this weekend, they're going to take on Oklahoma. I mean, the line is, I think the line is Oklahoma's favorite by 23. So it's not, it's not good in any stretch of the imagination. And if you're offensively minded, like, you know, like he is, Chip Kelly is, then the fact that you're, you're rushing, um, you're 126th in the nation in rushing, and you're 102, 102nd in, in passing, Overall, you've got a 127th rating offensively. That does not bode well. With that being said, it's more off of reputation, and it's other programs that, that, that I've heard. I mean, there hasn't been programs in specifics that I heard of, but you know, Chip Kelly has that reputation of being a coach that can turn a program around because everybody looks at what he did at Oregon. Not taking consideration that when he took over for Oregon, Oregon already had a cupboard full of players. So he, he was able to make them look look good. And the, the offensive philosophy that he has, where it's sideline to sideline, I'm going to stretch you out, I want to I run the snot out of you, um, is, is, is difficult, um, but it's, it's, a pro, it's, a, it's an idea that a lot of people like to see and, and think that their team can do well with it. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks, and the Oakland Raiders analyst joining us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Lincoln, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. See you next week.